Well, hello, church family. It's great to be back with you this week. You'll get an opportunity to hear from several others over the next weeks, but I wanted to have an opportunity to finish chapter one with you today. And, and before we look at the text this morning, I just wanted to say thank you for all of you that continue to give sacrificially to our ministry here. Uh, it helps us with our day-to-day operational expenses as well as be able to support staff and our missionaries. So thank you for that. And continue to pray for the leadership as we pray for each of you. And reach out to us if you have a prayer need or a physical need. We want to be the church uh, even during this difficult time and be able to love each other and encourage each other uh, as we should do on a regular basis. So this morning we're going to look at James chapter 1 verses 19 through 27. Just nine verses this morning. But as we continue through this wonderful book, I hope it will be an encouragement to you. Last week was a little bit longer than I normally speak, but there was a lot of introductory material that I wanted to make sure we covered so that it would help us understand the context of this book. But this morning we're going to read from verses 19 through 27. And as I read, you can follow along in your own Bible or you can close your eyes and allow the Spirit of God to speak to you this morning, because remember, the Holy Spirit is our primary teacher. So let's read this, verses 19 through 27 of chapter 1 in the book of James. Know this, my beloved brothers and sisters, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. May God add blessing to his word. Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for your holy scripture, and we thank you for Jesus Christ that you sent so that we could have life and life eternal. Lord, and we thank you for the Holy Spirit, who is our comforter, our counselor, and our teacher, God, and we're asking you today to teach us your your word. Lord, allow it to change our minds and change our hearts. Allow it to become people who follow after you with every bit of who we are. God, thank you for your love. Thank that you would give us your grace to allow us to be in a relationship with you. And we thank you, Lord, Move this speaker out of the way this morning so that only your word would be heard. We love you, Lord Jesus, and we ask this in your name. Amen. 
As we get started this morning, let me ask you this uh, question. Have you ever heard this saying, better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to speak out and to remove all doubt? Better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to speak out and remove all doubt. We're not sure who wrote that. A lot of times Abraham Lincoln or Mark Twain get credit for it, but we're not sure if they're actually the authors. Those two guys get credit for a lot of things, some of which they may not actually want to take credit for. But as I thought about that saying this week, I thought it was very helpful to us as we look in verses 19 through 27 this morning. We're going to camp out in verse 19 for a little while today, so you may want to get some coffee and get comfortable and relax. But verse 19 tells us every person should be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. So say that with me, church, right where you are right now. Be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Let's say it again. Be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. So in that one little verse, we have one quick and two slows. So it's no coincidence that God gave us only one mouth and two ears. Notice what Proverbs 17 says in verses 27 through 28. Whoever restrains his word has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Proverbs 18.2 says, A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Proverbs 18.6-7 through 7 says, A fool's lips walk into a fight, and his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are a snare to his soul. So you can see, church, it's very important for us to be slow to speak. But let's be honest, we usually do it the other way. We're usually very quick to speak, very quick to be angry, and the last thing that we do is be quick to hear and quick to listen. James chapter 3 even tells us, No human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. So we have to work hard at being quick to listen and quick to hear because it's easy for us to speak quickly. It's easy for us to get angry quickly, but it's difficult for us to hear. It's just like it's so easy for us to be negative and very difficult for us to be positive. You know, I've never heard it said by anyone in my entire life that they enjoy being around someone that talks too much. A person like me who talks too much doesn't even say that they like to be around a person who talks too much. And people especially don't like to be around people who talk too much about themselves and talk too much about others. John Maxwell from his book, The 360 Degree Leader, says, and I quote, Great people talk about ideas. Average people talk about themselves. 
and small people talk about others, unquote. Let me say that again. Great people talk about ideas. Average people talk about themselves. And small people talk about others. So church, let's say it again together. Again, be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. One more time. Be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Julie, Kara, and I have been uh, exercising a good bit more than normal over the last several weeks. We've gone on walks and uh, we've been riding bikes. The problem is that right after we ride bikes or go on a walk, we go get donuts or a milkshake or uh, eat chocolate chip cookies. So it doesn't seem to really help us too much with uh, becoming more healthy. But we've been using these free bikes that um, you see around town. Caporium has these different stations um, where you can uh, ride a bike around town. And these are not the highest quality bikes that you'll ever find. And, and we're not avid bike riders, so you almost have to relearn how to ride the, the bike. And, and as we do that, you, you get on this bike and, and you try to ride it and, and the handlebars are, are wobbly and you move all back and forth. And we're trying to ride around, on ta- ride around town on these little sidewalks and, and Kara's trying to ride her bike, Julie's doing fine on hers, and then I'm back there wobbling all over the place. And Kara gets really upset at me because she keeps saying, Dad, Dad, get on your side. You're, you're not on your side. And, and as I wobble on the sidewalk or wherever we're riding, when I get close to her, she gets really nervous and uncomfortable because she thinks I'm going to cause her to wreck. And our words can kind of be like a wobbly bike if we're not careful. Things we say in email Things we say in texts, things we say in phone calls, and especially things we say in social media, like Facebook, can be hurtful to others. And if we're not careful, they can be hurtful to the cause of Christ. So church, you may have heard it this way. You may have heard, stay in your own lane. Another way to put that is, mind your own business. If, if no one asks for your opinion, don't give it. Be kind to others by being slow to speak. If God wants you to have a platform to speak or to give information or to be involved in some type of ministry, then he will open that door and make that possible. If you are constantly trying to push an agenda or to make a comment so that someone will do something that you desperately want them to do, eventually people are going to stop listening to you. And worst case scenario, they won't even talk to you anymore. So don't slander people on Facebook or make snarky comments on social media sites, especially towards a politician or a preacher, or someone that you don't know personally. The world is always watching what believers do. The world is always watching what believers say. 
And so we need to be careful with our words and be careful to not be angry. Let us always have the mindset that we will hear first before we speak. You may only have one opportunity with an individual to share the gospel or to plant a seed, and the gospel is already offensive enough to people who are perishing. So don't give them any ammunition to be a person that is offensive. Let us have zero reasons to give anyone an opportunity to be offended at us. So church, remember, be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to be angry. Let's use these two passages as our guide whenever we're interacting with others. Ephesians 4.29, it says, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification. Or you can translate that, building others up. According to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not trying to speak out of both sides of my mouth. If you have a relationship with someone and you can build them up by an encouragement through a text, or if we get off track with friends or we say something that we shouldn't say. It's biblical and it's right to sharpen other brothers and sisters and encourage each of us to grow closer to Christ and more like Him. But just to babble or just to say words, just to make comments or just to be negative and critical, that's never biblical and that's never what God wants us to do as we communicate with others, not only in the church, but outside of the church. Some of my best friends in life are those who loved me enough and are bold enough to speak into my life and to say, hey, Darren, you were off there. What you said in that email or what you said to that person was really not kind. And so maybe check yourself and try to rephrase that or word it in a different way. And I don't take that as an insult. I take that as someone who cares enough about me to help me to become more like Jesus so that I have an opportunity to share the good news of the gospel and to be an example and a light to the world as I interact with others. Colossians 4, 6 tells us, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. It might even be a good idea in the morning to pray that verse and to say, Lord, let my speech today be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that I can know how to answer each person that I interact with today. Now, sometimes, and maybe this will happen uh, more than it should, but we can have conflict with other people. I hope that doesn't happen too often. But if you have a conflict with someone, uh, I was reading an article this week by a, a man named John Bloom, who's a writer for Desiring God Ministries. 
And he says this, and I quote, How many conflicts would dissolve or never even materialize if, one, we listen to really understand a person's concern or complaint? We listen to really understand a person's concern or complaint. Or two, we waited till our typically wrong initial impulse passed, till we prayed, till we've asked clarifying questions. And then, number three, we responded with patience, with graciousness, honesty, clarity, and if possible, brevity. Unquote. So church, let's listen, let's wait, let's pray, let's wait, let's pray, let's wait. It's kind of annoying, doesn't it? Let's pray. And after you wait, and after you pray, then respond with words of graciousness and kindness and love and biblical truth. It's good practice for all of us, church. And I want to encourage you, as I am encouraging myself, to be a person that's quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Now, unfortunately, you have conflict sometimes, and, and sometimes that conflict results in a person that will not hear you at all. No matter what you try to do, what you try to say, however you come to them in love, they refuse to accept that they have a responsibility in the situation, and that might even lead to them sinning against you. And if that's the case, God is good, and He's put a model for us to be able to handle situations like that. We call it the Matthew 18 model. Excuse me. Matthew 18, verses 15 through 17 say this. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. Even then, if he refuses to listen, tell it to the church. I hope this is a rare occurrence. I hope that we're the kind of church that can be transparent and forthcoming. And if there's a difficulty, you can go to one of your brothers and sisters and say, hey, you know what you said to me the other day really hurt my feelings. It offended me. Can, can we talk about that? And I hope the other person receives that and says, sure, let's do that. I didn't mean to offend you. And then together, the two of you discuss how you can become better believers, more focused on becoming like Christ, and how you can encourage others who've had a similar difficulty within the body. That's why small groups are so important, because when you're in a group of, of five or eight or 12, you can get in that small group and be a part of a family that can learn how to communicate and trust each other and dialogue and debate and talk about tough things so that you all can grow and encourage one each other and then leave that small group and be a blessing 
to the larger church and to the community as a whole. So I pray we can all become believers like that, that can encourage each other. And if we're not like that yet, church, let's make that a goal this week while we're apart so that we can come back together and be a church that just loves each other and encourages each other and builds each other up. So if we don't have the greatest music and so if we don't have the greatest preaching and so if we don't have a light show or a multi-million dollar building or program, people will want to come and be a part of our church because we love each other, we're real with each other, and we work to overcome our faults and our difficulties because we all have fatal flaws. And without each other strengthening one another, we will continue in those. So church, let's be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Let me say one more thing about verse 19. I know we've been there for quite a while. I'll try to get you out of here soon so you can get to your favorite lunch spot. But being quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to get angry also improves our relationship with God. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. God has things to say to us as individuals and as a church. And if we are always talking, always yammering on, we'll never be able to hear what He has to say to us. One positive thing about this whole COVID-19 situation is that I've had a great opportunity just to kind of be renewed and refreshed and, and be able to just sit down with God's Word and read and just soak it in and sit out on a nice day and, and listen to nature and to allow God to speak in His still, soft voice. This week in my personal devotional time, as I'm going through a study of the Bible, I was reading in 1 Kings, and it happened to be chapter 19, and it really spoke to me this week. You'll recall that this is the uh, study in the book of 1 Kings where Elijah just killed all the prophets of Baal, and Jezebel, the wife of Ahab, who was an evil king of Israel, threatens to kill Elijah and he's scared because he knows she could take his life. But the passage tells us that Elijah went out and he stood on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in a cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? 
God wants to speak to us. He craves it. He created you to have an intimate relationship with Him. But if we're not still and we're not quiet, we can't hear the whisper of God. So church, I encourage you to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. In the stillness and the quiet, when we seek God, we'll find Him. Now let's move on to verse 20. We've spent enough time on verse 19. I think it's pounded in your head enough for this morning. But let's be slow to anger so that, as verse 20 says, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. If we're angry, we can't be righteous. God is a God of holiness. God is a God of perfection. God is a God of love and compassion. And if we're angry, we can't be anything like Him. So how can we reduce being angry? Verse 21 tells us, Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Church, we have to put away all the filthiness and rampant wickedness that's in our heart. You know what that is. I know what it is in my own heart, and it grieves me. But at times, I still give in to my lust. I lie. I gossip. I'm prideful. And there's many more sins that you and I both know that we need to put away. There can be no compromise, church, if we want to be a people that seek after God with all of our heart, all of our strength, all of our mind, then we have to put away the filthiness and the wickedness that so easily entangles. 1 John 2.16 says, For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life, this is not from the Father. This is from the world. So, instead of living with filthiness and rampant wickedness, Let's repent. Let's confess our sin. God is faithful to forgive us when we go to Him and we repent. And each morning, wake up and say, Lord, help me to be more like you today. Whatever sin, whatever stronghold, whatever thing that challenges my relationship with God, let me put it away today so that I can become more like Him. God loves us. He created us. He desires to be in a relationship with us more than anything in all of creation. And so let's seek after Him with our whole heart. And as we do that, we go to His Word, verse 21 tells us, in meekness with humility, so the implanted Word of God can save our souls, so that it can transform us and change us and help us to become more like Him. Hebrews 4.12 says, The Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts 
and intentions of the heart. So as we look to God's word, it can help us to be less angry. It can help us to be slower to speak, and it can help us to be quicker to hear and quicker to listen. But church, it has to be our desire. We have to crave the word of God more than anything else in life. We have to make it a priority to sit down with it, even when we think it's boring, even when we would rather play a video game, get on a chat, or do anything else. The Word of God has to be our priority because it's living and active, and God speaks to us through it. It's His main form of communication. So we can't have all kinds of noise all around us when we're trying to read God's Word. And we can't just flip through the pages just doing a checklist to get through it. We've got to go through His Word with anticipation, knowing that God's speaking to us and wanting to change us so that we can become the men and women that He craves for us to be. So let us seek Him with a whole heart as we look constantly to His Word. Now let me read verses 22 through 25. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So we've talked about the fact that we need to rely on the implanted word of God because it's able to save our souls. But now we need to change our direction and be doers of the word and not just hearers only. For verse, verse 23 says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. You ever done that? You look in a mirror and you, you kind of see what you look like. And if you're wearing something nice, you, you leave and you think, oh, I look pretty good today. And you go out and you're kind of confident because you feel like you look okay. And then there's other days Most days for me, when you look in the mirror and you think, I don't want to go anywhere today because if I look like that, I think I'll just go back to bed. So a mirror can be useful, but only when we look into it and allow it to change us in a positive way. Verse 24 says, if we look at ourselves and go away and forget what we were like, then it does us no good at all. So look in the mirror in light of God's Word, and allow it to change you. Verse 25, For the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So keep in mind, church, in the midst of persecution and hardship, just like Jewish believers were going through when this book was written years and years ago, we can have a blessing from God when we're obedient to Him and obedient to His Word. That's why it's so encouraging. The more that you know His Word, the more you read it, the more you study it, the more it becomes alive within you. And the blessing is that you get to draw closer to God. If you're a believer today, you're going to spend all of eternity with God in heaven, in paradise So what better thing to do in your life now than to spend time reading His Word, fellowshipping with Him, and enjoying Him forever? That's good, and that's great. But let's also remember 
that it helps us to be a witness to the world. And that's important for us too. Now, verse 26, as we get close to finish, finishing this chapter for the day, verse 26 is like a bookend to verse 19. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. So we're going back to talking here. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. So that's pretty harsh. These are not my words. These are James' words inspired by God who wrote the Bible, His Word. So church, it's important for us to bridle our tongue and to be careful what we say because it can do great harm to the body of Christ and to the reputation of Jesus Himself. If we go about and talk about how great our church is and all the things that we've done and all the accomplishments we've done for Jesus and yet we don't bridle our tongues, that's why the world calls us hypocrites. So make sure that what you do matches what you say. And be careful because the world is watching. Years ago when I was in seminary, I was one of those people. I thought, you know, man, one day I'm going to be Reverend Aaron and I'm going to have MDiv after my name. And people are going to look up to me because of all the things I've done for God and God's really going to use me. Man, what a powerful testimony I'll have. There was so much me and I in my heart when I was in seminary that the Lord had to break me to remind me that it's just a privilege to be able to serve Him. The only accomplishment I have or you have is to be a follower of Jesus and to reflect what He's done for us on the cross. And as we faithfully serve Him, we pray that people will come to know Him and that we just get the privilege of being a part of all that He's doing in the world so that when we gather in heaven one day, we'll be able to rejoice by what God's done in people's lives, not what we have done. So learn from my mistakes, church. Don't do what I did, but do what God says and be a doer of the Word. So what is good religion? And I'm not talking about religion in the sense of do's and don'ts and being legalistic. I'm talking about your Christian faith. What is good Christian faith? Verse 27 tells us, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Now keep in mind at this time, orphans and widows were very vulnerable. And they're very vulnerable today 
especially with the way the world is now with financial hardship for many families. So thank you, those of you who dedicate your lives and your energy and your time to orphans, those of you who are foster parents and adoptive parents and foster care workers, thank you. Those of you who take care of widows and widowers and those people in need, thank you for doing that. But it's much broader than just orphans and widows. God calls us to be compassionate doers of His Word and believers who look to live lives of purity and holiness. That's good religion. Being like Him, loving Him, being a doer of His Word and not just a hearer. So church, let's do what we can this week to be men and women who are not ashamed of the gospel, but are doers, ones who are quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Now, in closing this morning, I want to ask, as awkward as this is, wherever you are this morning, I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to use your imagination for a little minute. Whatever your age, let's use our imagination this morning. You may have heard this illustration before, but I want you to picture a courtroom. Picture it in your mind. The courtroom is bustling and filled with people. It's packed to the brim. There's a jury and there's a judge. And you are on trial. That's right, you are on trial standing before the judge and the jury because you are being asked if you're a doer of the word. The judge leans forward and asks you in front of everyone in that place, how do you plead? Guilty? or non-guilty? What would be your answer? Is there enough evidence in my life and in your life to be convicted of being a doer of the Word of God? I pray that in that scenario, the judge wouldn't have to be the one to ever hear the answer and that I or you would never have to speak because the crowd would rise up in that place and say guilty 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 he or she is convicted the evidence is proof they are a doer of the word of God and not just a hearer so church Think about that today. Think about that this week. Be challenged, be encouraged, and know that I'm not just speaking to you. I'm speaking to myself as well. We are called to be doers of the word, and we're called to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Let's pray together. God Almighty, 
thank you for your word today. As challenging as it is, and as simple as this passage is, how profound it is, God, how deeply theological it is, how hard it is to follow it. God, we need your help. And so we're coming to you humbly today to ask as individuals and as a church to please, Lord, give us grace and to allow us to be a people who are empowered by your Holy Spirit to be changed and transformed, to be doers of your word, and to be people that are quick to hear and listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. We love you, Lord. Help us to love you more. Thank you, Jesus, for this time to gather today. May you keep everyone safe. And as we come now to worship you in song, Lord, may we do it in spirit and truth. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.